TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Yeah, we're all feeling a little like losers this morning here in Western New York. And a little mentally drained. Oh, very drained. <laughs> yes. You know, a lot of games the next day I start getting over them by this point in the morning. Not today. No. Not I today. feel the same way, Joe. And at one point last night I said, I wonder what the collective blood pressure is is every, uh, for everybody in Buffalo with the way things went last night. I wonder how many people turned the game off. After the after the uh, grounding penalty, and the Bills didn't convert the fourth and forever, thinking they weren't going to get the ball back. It's a good question. I you know if you're a Bills fan, you probably stay with it. But man, what a roller coaster of emotions! Up, down, you know, just when you think it's over. You know, I got to tell you, I took uh, our dog Walter out for a walk at halftime, and I was feeling so excited, almost euphoric. And there was a little voice in the back of my head that said, "Wait a minute, there's still a half to go." Even though the Bills look like they're on fire, that everything is clicking. This is not an easy team to play. They're at an RG Stadium. It's going to be tough. And sure enough, I never thought that they would collapse the way they did. Just a colossal collapse. No, and you know what? Uh, people uh, texting, "Hey, we're going to the airport tomorrow in the morning." You know, I mean, <laughs> you know what the halftime reminded me of, Brenda? And I hate to bring back awful memories. It reminded me of the second intermission, 2006. The Buffalo Sabres had a 2-1 lead on the Carolina Hurricanes. And my buddy and I, I was in my, uh, in the, uh, this was when I was a junior in high school, and we were watching it in my buddy's basement. And I remember we were talking about, should we go to, uh, should we um, you know, plan uh, getting tickets to one of the games? Like, how are we going to go about this? Should we get in line? What is it? What's the deal? And, and then we all know what happened in that third right. period. And yeah. Carolina actually ended up winning the Stanley Cup. Oh, can you say staff infection? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> By the way, this is Hardline. I'm Brenda Alacy. That's Joe Beamer. Thank you for joining us this morning. Until noon, talking uh, not just the Bills collapse, but uh, tons of political issues. And certainly a lot happened this week, Joe. A, a lot happened for uh, a week that was partially in 2019 and the rest in 2020. Congress, Senate, they're not even back in D.C. And we've got... A lot to talk about, a plethora of things to talk about this morning. And we will get there. We will get there. But, you know, I think it's healthy to use the first few minutes to vent on yesterday's game. We have this uh, medium to do so. And, Brenda, one of the things that is the most cringeworthy, and I probably wouldn't be saying this if the Bills won, but I'm just picking on everything today. What's very cringeworthy is the the politician bets with the other towns, uh, comparable politician, right? So whatever their position in that town. Right, their counterpart. I have to say, Mayor Byron Brown, 
gets a gets a round of applause from me when he was asked why he didn't make that uh, bet with the Houston mayor, and he said, "Well, there's really no food in Houston I would like." <laughs> what an awesome response! I loved that response from the mayor. You know, they've been doing that for years, Joe. The whole food thing with the political leaders in uh, each city or county. It is a it is a little bit of an, a cliche in my mind as well. Um, and, you know, the other thing that annoys me is that it's often us who end up having to send wings or whatever else we're betting because we just can't seem to get over the hump. Really, really tough to watch, tough to take. It, it's the most upset I've been about a Bills loss since probably the Music City Miracle. Oh, yeah. Well, I still remember exactly where we were, uh, what, what I was doing, who was at the house with us. Oh, my goodness. Just a tough, tough thing to swallow. We were, get, get, get this, so we were at a party for the uh, Music City Miracle game, but the party was in a suite at the arena during a Buffalo Blizzards game. But everyone in the suite was there to watch the Bills game and have the free food and, for the adults, the beverages. Uh, But it was inside the arena watching on those TVs they have in the suites for the firm my mom worked for at the time. So the last, yeah, that was my last memory before. 20 years. Two years ago. Fifth grade, by the way. I was in fifth grade. (laughs) The last time the Bills scored a touchdown in the playoffs before yesterday. But, you know, and, and hey, I'm not taking anything away. I know a lot of people are saying on social media, I'm being too negative. That's not the case at all. I'm happy with, with what the team did this season. Yes, of course. But that was a very winnable game. Oh, well, that's the thing that really rubs me the wrong way, too. It was within their grasp. It was certainly winnable. Did you notice, Joe, that all four announcers on ESPN and the pregame show picked Buffalo? I'm looking at the screen and seeing all four of the Bills charging logo right there. Um, A lot of the local reporters picked the Bills. There were very, very few who picked the Texans. We had a superior team. And, you know, I've been up and down on Josh Allen all year. And after that Cleveland game, I said, that's it. He's not the guy. We still are looking for Jim Kelly's successor. And then he rallied, and he started playing better, and he seemed to be getting it. He didn't look like he had happy feet in the pocket. His athleticism uh, athleticism really shone through in all of these games. I started to become a believer again. But then yesterday, it was like the bad Josh reappeared, and it wasn't just on him. The defense started not uh, tackling as well, and to me it was like shades of Super Bowl twenty-five. We should have won that game. We were the better team. Our defense started playing sloppily, and it all went downhill. Well, I don't want to take away from the progression I've seen from Josh Allen this season. Just like you said, that Browns game, a lot of people were starting to sour on Josh Allen. Um, It was his first playoff game, and they showed those stats from first-timers in the playoffs for in the quarterback position. So, you know what? I don't want to sour quite yet on Josh Allen. Yes, the 3rd and 18 in overtime. Where was the defense? But you know what, Brenda? I also want to look, and I just said I don't want to be positive, but the defense did give give the Bills the chance to tie the game to go into overtime on the the, uh, 4th and 1 stop. But yes, the the let up, you're in the NFL now. You can't. You have two guys on Deshaun Watson and can't bring him down. How does he get? It's almost like they popped him together and he got up or you know stood up higher than he was normally standing and ran for the first down. That was that was the killer. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's hard to fathom. It is a tough pill to swallow this morning, and then my problems with the Sabres not wearing their black and red jerseys on <laughs> well, '90s night. You know what my problem was, Joe? Not so much about the jersey because I hated the goat head, but. They almost let that game get away, too. Exactly. They had a 3-0 lead. They end up squeaking out with a 3-2 win. And I know most of Buffalo's not uh, not with me on this one, but Virginia Tech losing by almost 30 to UVA 
also not a great start to my day. Uh, the Tech basketball team, not looking as good as they were last year. And, oh yeah, I'll be in Syracuse Tuesday to see them hopefully pull an upset. Well, I hope somebody finally wins that you're rooting for. Yeah, but Brenda, warm thoughts. We are 37 days away from pitchers and catchers. So, you know, for me, I know I'll still watch the playoffs. I'll obviously still watch the Super Bowl. I have all these years. The Bills were nowhere close to the playoffs. Uh, But for me, baseball season officially started uh, when the Houston Texans kicked that field goal. So I'm in baseball mode. But for the I'm still in hockey mode. For uh, that too. But for the next hour and 44 minutes, we are in politics mode, and we will start talking Iran. And if you have a comment on all of that's happened with Iran, the the missile strike, it's uh, the drone attack itself, the response from both parties, just like everything in Washington, it's been a very partisan response. We have clips from the president. We have clips from people running against the president and also members of Congress and Senate will play those for you. We'd love to talk to you as well. 803-0930. The Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board is open at 3930. But first... And and Joe, I just want to make one more point about sports before we move into politics, because you might wonder, well, why are we talking about sports on a show that really has a political focus? The one thing that struck me about this, Joe, there are people of every ilk who love sports, whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, a conservative, a liberal, whatever, progressive, if you're somewhere in the middle or any of those things, whatever your religious beliefs may be, black, white, young, old, that's the one thing about sports that I love, that it draws people together together. And that's why I think it's significant to talk about it, even on a political show, because that's the one thing. There are so few unifying things in today's day and age, and people really are dug in in their beliefs. So at least we have that common thread. Now, I wish we were celebrating yes. <laughs> instead of kind of you know commiserating with each other. But I think that's one of the beauties of sports. And I said that after the Pittsburgh game. We were finally united in Western New York. Didn't matter if you were politically disagreed with me. It, it's funny, on Twitter this morning, Brenda, someone who uh, doesn't agree usually with what I say. I have to say they're usually nice about what, what they tweet at me, um, but they're not usually uh, in favor of what I said said uh, that they finally agreed with me for the first time um, on my response to the reactions of the game. So it is bringing people who politically might have arguments on social media. It's bringing them together this morning. You know I love sports. I know you love sports. It is one thing. It doesn't matter if you're conservative, liberal, Democrat, Republican. Yesterday, today, we are all Buffalo Bills fans, and we'd be celebrating together, and right now we're trying to get over this right. loss together. Yeah, trying to get my blood pressure back down. But Brenda, before we go to break, I believe uh, we have a word from you. I do indeed. It's Brenda Alacy, and I'm delighted to tell you about an exciting new space opening in downtown Buffalo this spring. Hansa, managed by my friends at Uniland. Hansa is the next generation of office space. Hansa spelled H-A-N-S-A. It'll feature traditional co-working areas, but also private offices, team rooms, suites, and meeting rooms, all housed in a single location. And that location is 505 Ellicott Street in downtown Buffalo. Hansa's on-demand flexible workspace can accommodate virtually any business, whether it's single suites, Single suite seats are up to 20 people. Hansa, the turnkey space is fully furnished. The utilities are included, and the coffee is always brewing. If you'd like to learn more about Hansa, visit HansaWorkspace.com. That's H-A-N-S-A Workspace. 
Unilandhealth.com. It's the latest in office space by the Uniland Development Company, Western New York's office space experts. If you dream of sophisticated office space with extensive amenities and a supportive culture, visit HansaWorkspace.com today. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome back. Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy with you until noon when uh, Meet the Press takes over with a national spotlight on things. And also, Joe, we should mention that Rob Goldberg, who is the CEO of the Buffalo Jewish Federation, uh, will join us at uh, in the 11 o'clock hour. So if you have any questions for Rob about what's happening lately with these horrific anti-Semitic attacks, uh, call or text in. I appreciate that. Or certainly hit us up on Twitter as well. My uh, Twitter feed is, um, my Twitter handle, I should say, is at Brenda Celeste, at Brenda Celeste. Nobody can spell my last name, Joe, so uh, I use my middle name. Uh, I welcome you to send me uh, information, questions, whatever you'd like, feedback on that as well. Yeah, and uh, at the Joe Beamer for me. And if you have any questions for Rob, but might not have time to call in at 11, it'd be great to uh, send them on the text board, 3930. We would uh, definitely read those. And very excited to talk to Rob um, under unfortunate circumstances, but I'm glad that we have him on and uh, get his perspective of just the awful, awful things that have been going on in the last few weeks. You know, Joe, there's a big uh, solidarity march planned for New York City today um, in the wake of a string of attack on Jews. And we expect to see uh, news coverage of that later in the day. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of support this rally gets. I think it'll be uh, certainly from all walks of life, all religions, all ethnicities joining folks uh, to talk about these terrible attacks, uh, have a condemnation about these attacks in New York City where many of these have occurred. So I'm looking forward to seeing the mass support for solidarity against anti-Semitism. Not a place for it in today's day and age ever, or certainly not in today's society. We're in 2020, for goodness sake. And why is this still happening? And why is it increasing? Those are some of the questions we'll ask Rob Goldberg. Yeah, um, interested to see what he has to say. And like Brenda said, it, it's 2020. It's it's sad that we still see uh, see stuff to this extent. And hopefully, we can find a way to stop it. Uh, but excited to speak to Rob at 11 right now. Talking about Iran and Brenda, what do you say we listen to clips from former Vice President Joe Biden, uh, Tulsi Gabbard? And Amy Klobuchar, all all people running against President Trump or attempting to run against 
President Trump. We will start with some of Joe Biden's response, and then we will talk about that. These are responses to the president's actions in Iran over the past few days. There should be no weeping for this guy. I knew of him. I spent a lot of time in my career dealing with the Quds Force, and he headed that force. They're, they're the assassins and others in, his, in, in Iran. Most of the really good advisors, and I'm not joking, have left the administration. He tweeted Saturday, let this serve as a warning that if Iran strikes any Americans or American assets, we have targeted 52 Iranian sites representing the 52 American hostages taken many years ago. He says that those targets and Iran itself will be hit very fast and very hard, all caps. The U.S., he says, wants no more threats. Yeah, you have to be tough. But tough doesn't mean that you sit and send a bunch of tweets making threats um, and not appearing to take seriously uh, the mess that he has now gotten ourselves in. This action is placing in peril our national security and has increased the likelihood and risk of more of our men and women in uniform being placed into harm's way. Under the 1973 War Powers Act, the administration is required to notify Congress of military action within 48 hours. The administration finally delivered its 48-hour notification to Congress, but chose to classify the document. And Speaker Nancy Pelosi condemned that move, saying it's highly unusual and saying that Congress has a lot of questions for the administration. So that is... The reaction, and Brenda, no surprise that the reaction from those left of uh, center, left on the left side of the aisle, um, do not agree with the president's um, response or his lack of alerting Congress. The president said this was an act to stop a war, not start one, but it seems rhetoric from those on the left is that the president has now started a war. Well, there's no surprise that this is along party lines. And I'll tell you what, I've been a critic of the president, but I think he did the right thing in taking Soleimani out. This guy, according to published reports, has been behind hundreds of American deaths over the years. So my question, though, is he prepared for the fallout? That's that's what I'd like to ask our listeners. Is President Trump prepared for the fallout? Did he think this through thoroughly enough to say, okay, if this happens, what is the threat to Americans in the Middle East? What is the threat to Americans on U.S. soil? Uh, what will happen next and how will this be uh, treated going forward? This is a pretty big deal to take out a guy with the power of Soleimani. Apparently, he had almost cult-like status in Iran and uh, was the architect of many deaths over the years of Americans, and I'm sure others as well. So I want to make sure that uh, we have our pieces in place for whatever might happen, because I'm sure that the powers that be in Iran and perhaps Iraq are plotting to do something against the U.S. Yeah, and we'll see. But, you know, eight years of just talk didn't get America anywhere. I think President Trump wants to show, hey— We don't just talk the talk. We will, if we have to, walk the walk. I'd like to know what you think. 803-0930, star 930. When we come back, we will play some response from right of the aisle. Brenda and I will continue to give our analysis and hopefully hear from you here on News Radio 930 WBEN.
Welcome back to Hardline. Well, the Bills didn't have the recipe either, Joe. No, they didn't. They they never had it to begin with. Apparently not. Well, well we, they did in the first half, but... We do feel like uh, Donna Summer this morning, you know. The cake was left out in the rain, and unfortunately, we can't watch the Bills again until September. Oh, seems like a long way it off. It really does. Eight months. But at least training camp is in, what, six months? Yeah. Maybe the Sabres will sneak into the playoffs. What have you been drinking this morning? Positive juice. <laughs> hey, before we get back to politics, I got to tell you, a friend of mine just posted something. She goes to the chapel. And even there, they're talking about the Bills game. The pastor said, the game does not define us. Jesus defines us. Pastor Jerry Gillis from the chapel. So, I mean, no matter what your religious belief is, as we said before, sports can be a unifying type of uh, theme for many of us. And it's even being discussed today at church. So uh, be curious if you went to church, if the priest, minister, rabbi, whatever your particular persuasion is, if it was brought up today, I'd be curious to know. It'd be tough. It'd be tough to get to get into the groove of things without first, you know, talking about what the Bills did. Yes. But, you know. Or didn't do. Yeah. So from that to Iran, it's uh, hard <laughs> There's line. There's a transition, huh? <laughs> it's hard line here on WBEN. We are talking about Iran, the attack, the, the um, response to from the left and from the right. And someone who I think will give a perspective from one side, our friend Tony and Clarence. Tony, good morning. Uh, good morning, Joe. First of all, uh, let's uh, this Kasim fella is equivalent to the vice president in Iran. He has the title of being a vice president. So not only did we commit assassinate a uh, commander. We could, we could, or oh, did the assassination of a government official. And according to the War Powers Act passed on November 7, 1973, the president is in every possible instance shall consult with Congress before introducing the United States armed forces into hostilities or into situations where imminent involvement in hostilities is clearly indicated by the circumstances. And and after each such introduction, shall consult regularly with the Congress until the United States armed forces are no longer engaged in hostilities or have been removed from such situations. That's Section 3, War Powers Act, United States. Also, in reporting... In the absence of a declaration of war, uh, did President Trump issue a declaration of war? He did alert Congress within the 48-hour time period. I'm asking you a direct question, Joe. Well, this isn't an act of war. This was an act to end the beginning of a war. Well, that's not what's happening. In the absence of a declaration of war, in any case in which the United States armed forces are introduced into hostilities or into situations where eminent involvement in hostilities is clearly indicated by the circumstances, the president has the the responsibility of going to Congress and getting an authorization to attack. That was an out-and-out act of war that he just committed against the country of Iran. So we should make it public information, telegraph exactly what we're going to do by telling Congress, and then Iran will know that we're coming for them? That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like that favors America at all. 
Joe, there is a something called the group of eight. Four and four. Republicans and Democrats are the highest people in the, in the Senate and the Congress are to be briefed before these attacks take place. Are you safer, Joe, today than you were Friday morning at before anything happened on Friday night? Are you safer today? Do you really believe that our troops are safer in the Middle East? Uh, does anyone really believe that Pompeo doesn't lie? Hey, this is what Mike Pence... Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. We, you are going so far off topic. To answer your initial question, I do think our troops are safer today. Uh, than they were on Friday. The guy that was planning attacks is no more. We eliminated him. Instead of just talking the talk, I think President Trump is showing, hey, we're not going to put up with, we're not going to keep moving the line back. We drew a line, you went over that line, and now you're going to have to pay for it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. To me, the bigger question, Tony and Joe, is what do we do now with the fallout from that action? I think the president was right in taking this guy out. He was responsible for hundreds of deaths. And as one of our texters point out, and I agree with this text, you cannot live in fear. Good we took out this murderer, Iran is proxy of terror and hegemony in the region. And so, Joe, my question is, what will happen now? Did the president thoughtfully, you know, determine what will the the response, the fallout, the consequence of this action, what will it be? So that to me is is even more interesting because this guy, Soleimani, was viewed in as a cult-like status. I mean, in, uh, many people said that he was not just somebody viewed as a political leader in Iran, but the Iranians viewed him almost as a saint. So it was a pretty big deal. If you see any of the footage of people carrying his uh, casket from city to city to city, is clearly getting these people worked up and creating more anti-American sentiment. I just hope that there's a response ready and in place for what might happen, because the sanctions, the economic sanctions, did not seem to work with Iran that the U.S. imposed on them. Um, so now the question is, what happens next? Neither did giving them a pallet of money, but we'll get into that discussion at another time. I do think the president has the military ready. Obviously, President Trump didn't just think this up himself. Advisors he has around him have also helped him in this decision making. And I also think that on top of the decision, even before what happened, even before the, the drone attack happened, I'm sure there were a system in place to make sure whatever happens next, our response will be just as quick and just as swift. I hope so, Joe. Um, there's all, all sorts of information coming. You know, this is a very fluid situation, obviously. Some people are saying this might be a diversion because of the impeachment trial. Knowing how President Trump thinks, at least trying to get a glimpse about how the president thinks, I don't think that necessarily was the rationale. I think that the president realized that something had to be done to this murdering Iranian leader and a message needed to be sent to others in that region. So um, there's another uh, point of view that some of our texters are bringing up. And really, I appreciate the the intelligent response on the text board. Uh, One of the texters said, That caller needs to be informed that under the Patriot Act, any sponsor nation of terrorism will be dealt with accordingly. So there are, as you say, Joe, there are some guidelines in place for when something like this happens. And I do think that this guy, in a sense, was a terrorist because look at what he did. He was responsible for the deaths of 
hundreds of not, uh, if not thousands of people. I, I think with the threats against America, even before what happened, the, the, the United States has to show. No, I, don't, I, I think President Trump ran on not wanting to continue wars. But I think we also have to show that we're not just going to lay down. That well, he some, also ran on a pro-military, you know, well, uh, a, a very strong military Strong military position. doesn't mean you have to use them, but you want to right. be intimidating. And I also and he, he's shown, I said blank, you cross that line, unlike the previous administration, and you can, you, you can disagree with me on this, uh, that kept on moving the line back after it was crossed. President Trump says, hey, we're not putting up with that anymore. We're not going to put Americans in danger here in the United States or over, uh, overseas serving in the military. Somebody else texted in, uh, Trump is dealing with a hostile Congress. In no way would they let him do what he did just to be against him. It's been a proven sin. And, I, you know, there's probably a lot of truth to that statement. Joe, do you agree with that as well? I do, and that's where it's dangerous. And this isn't if you're a Republican or a Democrat I, I think we are so polarized in politics right now, and, and Brenda, we've talked about this, I think, every Hardline episode, that when it comes to reaction, when it comes to um, trying to take out people that want to ruin this country, pretty much, that I think Republicans, uh, if a Democrat was president, or Democrats, if a Republican was president, would go against it or give that president a difficult time getting the approval they need. I, I don't think that's... Difficult, and that's where this polarization can become very dangerous for the United States of America. We'd like your comments as well. Uh, text board is open, the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board. We uh, we and certainly invite you to chime in if you want to uh, text rather than call. That number is 30930 for the text board. If you want to call in, it's 8030930. Joe? Yeah, we'll go. We'll, we'll take this break to 55 so we can get some calls. Let's go to Frank in Williamsville. Frank, good morning. Hey, I don't know what's worse, watching the Bills lose that game yesterday or listening to Tony talk about how uh, Trump has to go in front of Congress and ask for permission. I mean, do we even know who these people are? These, are? these people are the same people who have made all the bombs, the IEDs, that killed our, a lot of our soldiers and maimed them in, our, in Iraq in that war. These are the same people who took our embassy in 79, and, and, and we've been at war with them since 79, as far as I'm concerned. You get a shot at this guy who no one knew about last week. Did, anyone, did you guys know who Suleimani was? I did not. No, Frank. Certainly didn't. And now they're all up in arms saying that we're worse off in some way than we were last week. We're less safe. Are you kidding me? Yes, if you, if you feel safer today, did he feel safer last week before we took this guy out or even knew who he was? Um, i got to talk about the bills because uh, the scars just keep piling up. You know, the wide right, the, 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 the home run throwback, the, the no goal. I mean, to, to, to lose the game the way they did yesterday. Did, did any of you, when, when, when uh, Houston made that third and 18 first down, think about the Giants game and Mark Ingram and how they had a similar? Yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Frank, I brought that up to Joe earlier in the show, how it reminded me of Super Bowl 25, a game we should have won just like yesterday and let it get away. Is the first thing I thought about was Mark Ingram and the Giants and how, how we lost that game. And I thought, not again, right? And i got to ask you, do you think the way they talk about the Bills and the followers of the Bills, that there's no team that travels like the fans do and the Bills Mafia and the media is all on top of it and everyone's reporting from down in Houston and half the stadium is filled with Bills fans because no one follows the Bills like the, the Bills Mafia, etc. The players have to feel the pressure of, of the, this community on their back. I mean, if, if, am I wrong about that? Do you, would you agree with that? Do you think you're saying that that makes it more difficult for the players because of the additional pressure? Yes, the, the meeting out at the airport, when, you know, after games, when, I, I just think that they feel like 
it, it, in my opinion, it increases the pressure on the players. You know what, Frank? That's an interesting theory, but I don't think that's the case. I think these guys are paid millions of dollars. They're pros. It's their whole life. That's their whole focus. If anything, I would think it would give them uh, a bit of a morale boost. I, I don't think it adds more pressure. I think it helps them. Yesterday, the look, the look on Josh Allen's face in the third and fourth, fourth quarter and in overtime, mm-hmm. he was just like, he saw an, an accident, a, a, you know, a 10 car pileup or something. He, looked, he was totally, the stress of the situation, he couldn't handle it. There were wide open players running across the field looking for the ball. They, 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 he, he just didn't see them. There was one play in particular, the camera angle was from behind him so he could see what was going on. The pitch to the tight end he made in overtime. He was out, he was out of the pocket, and they were running on the – tight end was running wide, wide open across the field. Josh just didn't see him until finally at the end he passed the ball. But he, it was something – it's like he, he just can't handle the stress of, a, of the game, in my opinion. So, like so much on him. He's just, hopefully he'll get better at that. But um, it was just tough to take another loss like that, especially after they, the two players collide against the, the yes. managers. It's almost like a Three Stooges I know. I, you know, sometimes I call it the Keystone Cops, uh, more so with the Sabres and with the Bills. But, yeah, I'm with you, Frank. I've got a lot of that scar tissue, too. I've been a long-suffering Bills and Sabres fan and so want them to win. Just one championship in my lifetime I'd be happy with. And um, But at, at the same time, I think Allen has stepped up to the plate during the Dallas game on Thanksgiving, more than 30 million viewers. He played well against New England, uh, even though we lost both of those games. Pittsburgh. He was on the national stage in Pitt, with the Pittsburgh win so I don't think he's not ready for prime time I think it just takes time to develop and have the confidence that it takes to be able to hit the receivers and I hope that Brandon Bean will bring in a big receiver in the offseason well I still like the kid a lot I think they me too it's not all on him Singletary was unstoppable yesterday but they they just didn't give him the ball enough much like in Super Bowl 25 with Thurman exactly exactly the, the, the parallels are, are are many yes and it wasn't Josh Allen's fault that they couldn't bring uh, Watson down when he hit two Bills trying to tackle him. No, it's not all on, on, on Josh Allen at all. It's a team team loss. What they it was so good in the first half turned to be so bad in the second half. But it, it, but hey, the defense also stopped him on fourth and one to give it, to, get, to continue so the Bills could continue the game. When they coaches made that mistake to go on fourth and one, I thought maybe maybe that his his bad move will play in the Bills' favor and will turn around because he gave us another opportunity. But didn't work out that way. My grandmother used to say, someone's got to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Just sorry it's always Buffalo. Take care. Thanks for the call, Frank. I, you know, obviously, Joe, the wounds are still pretty fresh from yesterday's game. Oh, yeah. It was a long game, too. What was it, almost four hours? It was after a very quick first half. Yes. The second half plus overtime seemed to take forever, and I think it seemed even longer for just how tense everyone in I Buffalo was. I <laughs> totally agree with that, uh, you, yeah. It, it Oh. I couldn't sit still. I kept getting up, walking around, pacing. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't sit the whole game. I, I didn't sit from from kickoff to uh, to overtime, and then finally at overtime, I let the uh, the weakness I felt from just a in. second straight drop down. Hey, before we get to the break, let's get Julie in Buffalo in on the Iran discussion. Julie, good morning. Hi, good morning. I have a few comments to make. Um, first and foremost, let's not forget that. The U.S. Embassy is sovereign U.S. land that was just attacked, and these guys were seen apparently participating. But I've read interviews with people who actually worked on the policies in um, the country, and part of the Iraq agreement when the U.S. pulled out was that leaving people there, we could defend ourselves. And also that Soleimani 
is apparently under UN sanctions for being the head of um, um, the Revolutionary Guard, which has been declared a terrorist international terrorist organization. Um, and under the UN sanctions, he is not allowed to have international travel. And here he was in Iraq with um, other puppet leaders there. And um, the U.S. and the president had every right to do what they did, apparently from what policy and agreements with Iraq and the U.N. is for getting its own sanctions on this guy, let alone that he is he's just steeped in blood his own now but <laughs> right so so what do you think will happen next julie uh what, what might the fallout be well i have another comment the only dangers at home i believe we have are left from democrat policies of let's have an open civ border so anyone and everyone that has not been vetted that can just walk across our borders is here so I believe the Democrats have no one to blame but themselves. This president has been trying to work with them to fix immigration policy, let alone put up a border, let alone do what has um, been decided on in the past by previous presidents, including Obama, and the monies that have been um, allotted in the past. All these people are doing is digging in to just thwart this president at every turn at the expense of American lives and American treasure and American sovereignty. So um, they, the Democrats have more egg on their faces than this president. This president acted the way he should, and with regard to Congress, Congress is not working for us anymore. So he apparently, from what I read also, did notify um, some in Senate, but it seems that all seems to be a little bit partisan. But if this guy... It said anything, it would have been thwarted. Um, we've already seen John Kerry over there as a private citizen talking to Iran, Iranian leaders in Iran, which I don't know why he's not brought up on treasonous uh, charges for that one. Um, yeah, Julie, we're going to have to leave it there. We're up against the break. Thank you so much for the call. Some good points there. Uh, it, it does seem, and I would say this if there was a Democrat in, in the White House, just the way uh, we are polarized right now in 2020, it does seem no matter what the president uh, suggests, whatever he wants, it gets turned down by Congress, no matter how small or how big it is. Hey, when we come back, we uh, will be talking to... Rob Goldberg, who is the CEO of the Buffalo Jewish Federation. We'll talk about the... Uh, the wave of anti-Semitism. And uh, Rob will take your calls as well. Yeah, 803-0930. The text board still open at 3930. We are back after this and news here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.